This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, from the David Hobbs Honda Studios, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Hey, welcome to the Final Inspection Show, broadcasting live from Goose Island Ale Halls at the Wisconsin State Fair, brought to you, of course, by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. I'm Steve Zotke, and thanks for joining us. And we're going to get things kicked off right away. We're going to be talking to Tony DeZino from NBC Sports uh, on their website on the Great Lakes Great Midwest Bank hotline. And, uh, Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks, Z-Man, and coming to you live from a actually happily sunny road, America, uh, which it has in the last couple of days. Yeah, and you're up there for the uh, the Continental uh, IMSA Continental Road uh, Road Race Showcase uh, today and tomorrow. And yesterday was an incredible. I mean, I guess if you're a photographer, you got some great photos and some great rooster tails and whatnot. But uh, for a fan and some of the campers, it was certainly a trying experience. But overall, I mean, considering uh, – all the all the races they have up, you know, they've had up there in the last few years. I, I think we've gotten off pretty well when, considering uh, the weather. Yeah, this is a this is kind of a surprise that it, it hasn't been. And, and today it's it's gorgeous. I think there's possible some spotty showers in the forecast for tomorrow. But uh, after the teams were a bit delayed on loading on Thursday, everyone got out for a bit of rain running yesterday. It was off and on. Uh, some heavier than others, but there's a there's a great amount of action with the uh, the primary IMSA race qualifying in about half an hour for that. The Continental race later today, and then the Lamborghini Trofeo and Porsche GT3 series are also here. So there's I think about six or seven total races for the weekend. So there's there's plenty of action. Yeah, it certainly is, and uh, I, I think uh, we're we're gonna have Catherine Leg on uh, in in later in this hour on the show. She's of course driving for Michael Shank and that uh, hot Acura team. And uh, she was kind of a bit of the surprise yesterday, wasn't she? Uh, yeah, they boy, tough one, tough spot now because uh, this morning, unfortunately, they had a they had an incident in practice where Catherine lost the back end coming out of Canada Corner, so the team has now suffered some significant front end damage. Um, she's super talented and certainly has, has done a lot with that program this year. She's won a couple races with, with Andy Lally, her co-driver, and the, the Michael Shank team, which we've talked about, and the, the new car. 
Um, but fortunately now they're in a bit of a race against time to, to build their, their car up for Sunday's race. But, um, you know, this is a track that she is, she loves, but it doesn't seem to love her back for whatever reason. I mean, between, between this, what happened this morning and then her, her infamous, uh, big crash here in a champ car way back in the day. It's a, uh, it's a place that for some reason, the racing gods don't, don't exactly smile on her, uh, the most. <laughs> they certainly don't. I thought it was interesting though, when uh, I was talking to her, she, she actually brought up that crash in 2006, and, you know, her opinion on it, and we'll hear more from her, but, you know, it was a mechanical failure with the wing in that. So, I mean, it was like, it was something yeah. I had no control over, and I just, uh, just, I, I, I just went and moved on and, and, you know, went from there. So, yeah, she is uh, quite, she's a quite interesting uh, driver. Doesn't really get the headlines I think she deserves, because I think there's a little, there's a little more ability there than a few other people out uh, stealing headlines right now, and, uh, but uh, certainly with Michael Shank racing, it looks like she uh, has found a home. Yeah, um, I would I would say so. Um, it's been a good fit for, for the two of them this year. They've wanted to work together for several years, and the timing really never came together before that. But I think that's actually one of the, the best parts about the IMSA paddock, Steve, is that we've got you know, a variety of great manufacturers, great teams, a lot of excitement here with Acura actually having announced its uh, Team Penske prototype program a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Mazda program with Yoast, uh, that's been announced. Their main people are here this weekend. So, you know, Catherine is one of many talented drivers, and I think the fact that manufacturers allow for, you know, two driver pairings gives you a chance to see even more talented drivers. So, you know, whereas IndyCar, you've got, you know, 20, 22 of the best guys in the world. Here, you've got an even greater amount of, of content, uh, in really, in, all, in multiple classes. Yeah, and, of course, also, it was a kind of late coming in together but i think i don't know if you touched on this last week or not but you know the pippa man uh shea holbrook uh teaming up and that's an interesting uh, uh uh duo there uh this weekend but also not only that also if you want to touch on uh it, it's kind of becoming an annual event where they uh, they unveil the next year's uh calendar for and they did that yesterday didn't they yeah, that's uh, good. gosh, nice segues uh, into posts uh, that are live on NBCSports.com and ones to come next week. Uh, hitting the Pippa Man and Shea Holbrook thing first. So they've been friends for several years, but they've never had the opportunity to work together. Shea had tested with another team here a couple weeks ago. Um, various things happened kind of in the background that led her to reach out to Pippa, who's been driving for Wayne Taylor's team in the Lamborghini series this year called Prestige Performance. Uh, so they put a really last-minute deal together to be in a car this weekend. So they have two races. Um, that's a cool opportunity for, for both of them. In terms of the schedule, they, they did the schedule announcement on Friday. It's kind of become an annual tradition here, both in the American Le Mans Series days and now in the combined IMSA Series. Uh, I spoke with Scott Atherton afterwards. There's a lot of consistency. Uh, Mid-Ohio comes onto the schedule next year, replacing Circuit of the Americas. That got announced last week. Uh, I apologize. I wasn't able to, to be on last week because mid schedule is nuts. But, um, oh, no, that's fine. A lot of teams like this. Sorry? No, that's, that, that's fine. Of, I mean. Yeah, a lot, a lot of teams like the stability in, in the schedule because you, you know where you're going. The, the Friday at Road America becomes almost the biggest day for hotels because everybody everybody books next year's schedule in advance. And so it's kind of the, the race to get the rates before they get jacked up. So that's kind of the, the uninverted uh, side effect of when that comes out. But it means everything's subtle for the next year, which is which is good for programs and allows teams to kind of plan. Yeah, I, I'm kind of. I, I find that uh, the the switch between Mid Ohio and Circuit of the Americas kind of interesting on a couple angles, because one, you know, Mid Ohio, of course, is a very storied uh, track. But I mean, 
it, it, it's a fun track to visit, it's a fun track to camp at, but let, let's be honest, it's not the most advantageous for passing. And then the other part of the, the second half of that is the Circuit of the Americas. Does that bode well on its future if IMSA's, if IMSA's not there? Coda, Coda's in a weird spot, and I always kind of looked at this year as kind of a watershed year for them because with sports car races, they don't quite have the, the overall draw of a Formula One race or an IndyCar race. And at Coda, there were three different sports car weekends at the track this year. IMSA's was in May earlier this year, and then in September next month, they have a, a Pirelli World Challenge. We've had Ryan Eversley up from from that series on before and Peter Cunningham and, and that team, they they run in September and then the World Endurance Championship runs in September and it's hard to really justify getting a draw for those three things. I don't know if that helps them going forward. Mid-Ohio is a, a very rustic track, very kind of legendary sports car thing. I think with it being a multi-class racing should help uh, the passing situation there. For IndyCar, it's not the best. You really kind of have to do strategy to, to move through the field, although we saw last week Joseph Newgarden was able to put a pass on, but uh, to, to tie a bow on that, I think it, I think it will be better for him, and I think it will be better for them going ahead of the IndyCar weekend, because there's going to be similar to what we saw last year when IndyCar came back to Road America, and there was a huge draw. I think there's going to be a same kind of fan camping turnout at Mid-Ohio when that comes back on the IMSA schedule next year. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, Circuit of America has had their difficulties, and to be honest, you know, I, I after the that that one monsoon F1 race, I mean that's 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 be blunt here. I mean that they were they basically had, I think had to put the paddles to that track to make it you know make sure it was, sure it was you know yeah, it was Steve, it was brutal man. I was yeah. I was there for that and and that was the only time in in ten or eleven years of doing this that I've actually had to stay home uh, and not drive to the track because it was simply on too too unsafe to go you know twenty miles up the road because how right. how the flooding was. Four fans went at that day were actually bussed into the track, and they they couldn't get in because the track was closed on the Saturday. They, yeah, they took a bath literally and, and uh, figuratively that weekend, and, and it's been tough for them to, to bounce back as a result. And the thing about it is that, that track has really nice facilities, but it's it's always kind of a love-hate relationship, it seems, because of how much how much of an F1 track it is and how that doesn't necessarily translate or work for other, other championships. And you, there's a, I, I was reading your article here in Madison Snow in the Lamborghini series. How, how is that series coming along, you think, overall? He, um, well, he's, in, he's in the WeatherTech championship now with uh, the Paul Miller team. This, this is the, the catch with sports car racing. Is some of, there's so many series, it's kind of hard to distinguish. But he did do some of the one-off racing in that. Uh, it was an interesting thing that, that I looked at this weekend because, you know, you look at some of the popular pairings in the GT classes, and it's guys that have been together for years, you know, in Corvette and, and Porsche and Ferrari and BMW, Ford. You see guys that have been around a while. But in the GT Daytona class, you don't really see that as much. The, the teams that do have that continuity are able to rise to the top. And top in Madison's case, you know, here's a 21-year-old kid that's been around five, six years already, and you're thinking, how is this possible? But he and Brian Sellers have a good working dynamic. Uh, the Lamborghini is now more established within the series in the second year. Uh, they had a podium last week, at, uh, or two weeks ago at Lime Rock, that they could do really well here this weekend. So it's just kind of a, a primer on a guy that, you know, you might not know now, but as, as someone who's already very experienced for his age, something I can relate to because, you know, everyone thinks I'm, you know, this mid-30s guy. I'm only in my late 20s. But uh, it was cool to just kind of <laughs> tell his story, catch up with him a bit this weekend and see where, where he's 
at and where that team's at. Talking with Tony DeZino on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Uh, Tony, one more thing, and then we'll take a break, and we'll bring you back for some IndyCar news uh, uh, after yep. the break here. But before we go there, i got David Hobbs coming on next hour, and I want to kind of get your, your your opinion with the Halo that's being introduced. I'm thinking uh, the Halo will run at preseason testing, and then the drivers are going to revolt. It's going to be removed. And uh, well, what's your opinion on that? I read some things this week where uh, one of Mercedes' young drivers tested it at, at Hungary at the post-Hungarian Grand Prix thing and said it actually didn't obstruct his vision. In some respects, it helped him because it kind of kept the sun out of his eyes. That being said, they, they have to the FIA has to define the parameters of it to where is it, a, is it one set halo? Can the teams design their own one? Do they make it look as aesthetically pleasing as possible, or is it going to be something where – because we've seen the F, there, there, we've seen there be turn back on things before, where there, mm-hmm. uh, where something gets announced and it doesn't actually happen. So I, I guess my question with it is, is, is it really, has it really gone through enough testing? And more to the point, have they explained the testing process better to why it just seemed? Because to me, when they announced it, it seems like it was kind of, we just got to get it to get it out, not necessarily because it's it's universally popular. So. Um, We'll see how it goes. I think there have to be more tests later this year, and I think for sure in preseason testing you're, you're going to see it um, and unless they unless they rebel. I don't I don't I don't know. It's not a dictatorial landscape anymore in that paddock because with Bernie Ecclestone being gone, I think there's more input from the team. So we'll see if they act on it. It should be interesting. Uh, we'll find out what's happening. Uh, you know, in the spring uh, next year. Uh, Tony, let's go take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk uh, more uh, IndyCar racing with Tony DeZeno from NBCSports.com. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show from the Goose Island Ale House at Wisconsin State Fair Park. The final inspection show broadcasting live from the Goose Island Ale House at Wisconsin State Fair, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Joining us in the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it's Tony DeZeno from NBC Sports, talking some IndyCar Tony. And uh, after Mid Ohio, I think we can say the coming of Joseph Newgarden has arrived, especially after that pass he made. Is that going to be his uh, that one iconic pass of the year? I, I tell you, Z-Man, it's great. For for a track renowned for its lack of passing, Mid-Ohio has had three of the best winner overtake passes in the last five years. Um, you had Charlie Kimball on Pagano a few years ago, then Pagano on Willpower last year going through the carousel, and now Joseph Newgard just puts this freak-out move where he goes outside uh, on the run to four, snaps back to the inside. Will had no idea it was coming, and uh you know, he went down the inside, he cleared him. And the thing that that stunned me was he pulled out like three or four seconds in the next two laps. I mean, he was gone. I mean, we were just watching. Will was hanging on for dear life at that point. And, it was, you know, it was really nice to see Joseph win a race that wasn't, 
something where he sort of, I don't want to say lucked into it, but I uh, was a bit fortunate with, with other guys uh, having issues. This happened in Barber when Power had a puncture on his left rear tire, and then in Toronto where a, a caution flew and he got in. So he basically leapfrogged the field there. This was a, this was a, a championship caliber statement performance from a guy who you forget is only 26 and in his first year with Team Penske. Yeah, and he's he's just coming into. I mean, he's he's getting that swagger now. I think, and I think after I think, after, I think he's always I think he's always had it, but I think now he's been allowed to exploit it a little bit more because yeah, when you're with that's a smaller else. team. When, when you're with a smaller team, it's a lot harder to showcase yourself and kind of defeat that narrative of you know the big the the, the good kid on the small team trying to overachieve. Now he's right. the, now he's the kid on the big team and. It's been remarkable what they've been able to do this year. It certainly has, and I mean, I, I just on on the on the opposite, the other side of the coin of that was Scott Dixon. I mean, I I just <laughs> words can't explain. I mean, this is a guy of all the of all the tracks on the schedule. It's Mid Ohio, Scott Dixon, and you know, put your money down, and he was just totally out to lunch the whole weekend. There is there is nothing predictable about IndyCar racing, but Dixon doing well at Mid Ohio, as you say, is one of the few things you can usually bookmark. Um, unfortunately, that Ganassi team was just out to lunch on setup all weekend. I mean, Dixon basically made miracles happen to get in the fast six. He didn't do anything from beyond that. Like he's driving this year, probably as best as he ever has, and you're not going to be able to to say it on the results sheet but a ninth-place finish or whatever he ended up Sunday might wind up getting him the championship because the car was evil. I mean, he was – they took one pit stop where they put – I think they took out about three turns of front wing to try to, to get the balance better because he was he was holding a train of cars up at one point. Elio Castroneves is right behind him. I'm like, oh, great, these two. You know, they collided here last year. They're battling for the championship. There's the drama post-Toronto. And, and he was hanging on, and, and it was just – to show you how good Dixon was, none of the other guys in that team got better than 13th all weekend. So he's overachieving as he is. And, you know, it's, it's why he's the only guy of the four that's guaranteed back there next year. Let's turn to silly season. And, uh, boy, we were just talking about, you know, last or the week before uh, on Connor Daly and kind of heads are kind of down and wondering, you know, what's going to happen to Connor next year. And then, boom, goes to mid-Ohio as his best finish of the year. Yeah, that was huge. He he needed that. That that team needed that. It was a real shot in the arm. I think it should, goes to show that when you can test at a place beforehand, Foyt had tested there a week before as a coin, and you saw both Connor and, and Esteban Gutierrez get in the top 12 in qualifying, which is really good jobs by both of them. Uh, they needed that. And, and Connor, he won't admit it, but he's having – He's having to drive for his career right now, and it's, it's a shame that he's even in this position because he's a really good fit for the series. He's, you know, very popular among the drivers. Drivers, you know, they kind of poke fun at him from time to time, but he's a good kid. He really is an excellent racer. I think he's one of the better racers in the series. His qualifying, though, has just not been the best. So he needed that result. He made some good passing moves, and I think he showed people that, like, hey, we can still do this, but uh, we need we need to get two or three more of those in the second half of the year to kind of prove that uh, that he still belongs. What about J.R. Hildebrand? I don't know. I'm not, I don't have the confident vibe about J.R. that I would like to. J.R.'s had a really tough season kind of readjusting back to IndyCar full-time because he's been out of the game for 
four or five years. He's done a lot of other things in his life. And on ovals, he's been fantastic. Him and him and his engineer, Justin Taylor, have had a really good baseline setup that they had from last year. And actually, the, the Iowa, when the New Garden had last year, that was down to JR's setup um, from a test mm-hmm. that he did. So he's been really good on the ovals. The problem has been uh, on the road and street courses, he's been comprehensively outclassed by Spencer Piggott. Um, I would not be surprised if Piggott gets a full-time opportunity next. I think he's very close to that from what I gathered at, at Mid-Ohio. Um, he's done a really good job for JR. I think I think he's another one of these guys that if he needs he needs one or two more standout drives the rest of the year to, to kind of keep going beyond uh, 2017. Well, he's got his chance because uh, two out of the next four races are on the ovals, and it, and then boom, it's the end of the year. And, you know, people have been talking about NASCAR should, should end their series a lot earlier, and we're, we're seeing a series here with IndyCar, which does that, and however, he's gotten a lot of criticism. But I, I think the criticism is maybe starting the season earlier, and uh, there's been rumors bouncing around again about maybe do, doing a race in, in Mexico, and I, you know, I, I'm I'm all forward. To, I, I'm 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 on with having the series end where, when it does. Uh, but I think it, yeah, I, definitely, I don't yeah, it at all. yeah, yeah. I I think let's if you if you want to do a race in Mexico early on, you know, in February or something, let, 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 let's start the season earlier. Yeah, and and I think you know that was an early criticism of Mark Miles. I remember I had a I had an interview with Mario Andretti just completely impromptu at, at Coda a few years ago, where she's like, "Man, I can't believe he's ending the season so early," and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out for this, and and he was right, you know. And, and but they've been able to push it back two or three weeks. They've also been able to spread the races out better. For the first time in like three or four years, there's such good data equity in IndyCar where we're not going into a schedule release saying hey, you know, what five races are dropping off next year? You know, everything is locked in. Um, Long Beach is probably now going to be back in a long-term deal, which is which is good to get uh, that news through this week. You know, it's not official yet, but it seems pretty dang close. I, I, I like where IndyCar ends because I think there's something there's something to be said for a series that leaves you wanting more rather than a series that goes on too long. It's like, when is this over yet? Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I like kind of about the pacing in IndyCar. I'd like to see more earlier, like in February, but, you know, I don't mind the schedule as it is right now, and I think I think that's like one of its better selling points. Let's get back to Road America. Of course, we got the Road America Continental uh, Road Racing Showcase this weekend, and we got what qualifying today, and then the racing tomorrow. Qualifying today, yep, uh, coming up in the next twenty-ish minutes here. Um, race is Sunday, two hours forty minutes, four classes, thirty plus cars. I think one thirty central starting time. So it's kind of a cool variety of races where Cadillacs race and Nissan races. I, I would say Mazda, but unfortunately they're not here this weekend because they've withdrawn their car uh, to focus on twenty eighteen prep. And then in the GT classes, you've got man Corvette, BMW, Ferrari, Ford, Porsche, Lamborghini, Audi. Acura, Lexus, the list goes on. So um, just great variety of, of action. And uh, with possible rain in the forecast, I could spice things up a bit too. So uh, stay tuned for what should be another fun race at uh, the legendary National Park Speed. And uh, we're, of course, talking to Tony DeZino on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Make sure to check all his stuff out at NBC Sports, Motorsports tab at the top. And, uh, Tony, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Z-Man. Good time as always. You've been listening to the Final Inspection Show broadcasting live from Wisconsin State Fair at the Goose Island Ale House. 
It's time now for a sports flash with Jeff Rolowski. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, broadcasting live from the Goose Island Air Hall at Wisconsin State Fair, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. We're going to do some NASCAR talk with Jeff Rolowski, who's back at the studio. And uh, this weekend, Jeff, we got uh, NASCARs in Watkins Glen. This is one of my favorite events of the of the year. And uh, But you know what? It's a passing of an era. Uh, you... You brought up Boris said before, and uh, this is his last uh, weekend racing, uh, doing NASCAR racing, and uh, the the old term road course ringer has gone away, hasn't it? Yeah, it sure has when you look at the uh, stats on how well these uh, quote-unquote ringers fare in these races. It hasn't been good lately, and uh, like I said in the update, Boris said crashed again this morning, so... We'll see if he has to go to a backup car, but it doesn't look good for Boris's final race in NASCAR. You know, I did an interview with uh, Max Pappas uh, two years ago when he was up at Road America, and uh, he, of course, is uh, is, uh, is a company called MPI, I believe it is, and they make steering wheels. And uh, they kind of took over where Momo left off, and GMPR uh, G- uh, uh, Momo was one of his uh, supporters back in Italy when Pappas came up through the ranks and eventually up to F1 and then came over here to the United States. And it, it, it's interesting. Uh, he got, back then, uh, NASCAR was looking for road course, you know, guys that kind of helped their guys out. And, and it was him, uh, Boris said. I asked him straight out. I said, Max, did you teach these guys too much? He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, <laughs> you know, when I came on, he says he was, he was hired by Hendrick. And uh, the first thing he noticed is he was shocked by their steering wheels. And him and Jimmy Johnson got together, and, and, and he's like, Jimmy, I mean, what are you guys using here for, for steering wheels? These things are ridiculous. We can do it so, so much better. So what they did is they, they, they got together with, with Momo, who was still alive at the time, and developed a steering wheel just for the Hendrick cars. And with, with those cars, they were just uh, – they only used them with the Hendrick cars, and then – uh, part of the deal with, with Mr. Hendrick when he hired Pappas was that, you know, to teach him all the tricks, so to speak. So it's, uh, and that was, I mean, that's, so he, he did. He said, I, I did not hold anything back when I was, you know, teaching guys like Jeff Gordon and then Jimmy Johnson and those guys. I didn't hold anything back. I ta- taught them everything that I that I knew. So, and and it's, it's same thing with uh, Boris said when he would come on and, you know, I think he worked with Roush a lot back in the day. They didn't hold anything back. They taught him everything, and it, uh, and it's also I think it's it's due to the the uh, the talent that's in the Cup field now. You know, from beginning to end. I mean, you look at some of the some of the guys that were racing back in the early '90s and that towards the end of the field. These were dirt track guys that had didn't want anything to do with road course racing, but were there just because they had to. 
Yeah, I love stories like that. And obviously, uh, Pappas did one heck of a job considering the success that both Gordon and Jimmy Johnson have had on the road courses. But stories like that are fantastic where you got one driver teaching the tricks of his particular trade to other drivers. You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, Matt Crafton in the truck series, how he went out and bought a dirt car and started running dirt exactly. cars yep. to improve his skills basically just for Eldora. And he ended up winning it this year. So it, it's it's great to see guys at the top level in their sport still going above and beyond to try to improve their skills for the future. It's fantastic. And uh, um, A.J. Allmendinger, he, he needs to win this race, doesn't he? He really does. I mean, he, he won in, what, 2014, I think it was. And, he, I mean, this is his... If he wants to get into the chase, I mean, this is he's so competitive. I, I don't want to really call him a road course ringer, but he is one of the guys who definitely excels on the road courses. Yeah. But this is a guy that really needs to step up. I hope. Yeah, he's interested to see how well they do. He does. He does. This is his, you know, basically his last best chance to score a victory. He is kind of one of those ones where. About once every five or six races, he'll sneak into the top 12, top 10, and you're like, oh, man, there's Dinger. But, mm -hmm. you know, the road courses are by far his specialty, and, yes, this is, uh, you know, not only is it a, a huge and very important week for him, but every time you look, Joey Logano keeps sliding farther and farther and farther behind. It's, it's winner else for him, so... It, uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend all the way around, and we have Lori Monroe with us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Lori, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Steve. Hello. It's good having you, of course, with Lori Monroe from MotorsportsTalk.com. Make sure to check uh, her and Dennis's stuff out weekly uh, up on their website, and I wanted to steer to Lori with yeah. with the Kurt Busch situation. Do you really believe that Ford was surprised by what happened with the Stuart Haas and, and Kurt Busch? Well, it's, it's hard to say. I really think there's a little bit of gamesmanship going here on Kurt Busch's part. they got to renegotiate. Kurt Busch is now saying he's got offers coming left and right. I don't know. I... I kind of think we're going to see him back there next year. Why would you want to lose a guy with the talent of Kurt Busch? Yeah, he's maybe got some baggage, but still, I think Barney Visser believes in the guy. Who knows what Monster really wants to do, but heck, slap a mattress factory on the side of the car and let's just go racing. You don't <laughs> want to lose the guy. Well, and it's interesting the way he came in was... You know, Haas brought him in without Stewart even knowing about it, and he kind of hired him on his on his own and said, "Hey, Carl, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll 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 finance it myself. Don't worry about it." Yeah, I got Barney Visser on the brain. You're right, it's Haas, but yeah, yeah. it. Uh, you know, he is his guy. Maybe Stewart wasn't so hot on it, but you know, let's. Uh, I'm talking about the wrong guy already. But, no. <laughs> See, Lori, I gotta disagree with you here. I really think, you know, if, if, if Kurt isn't going to be there, what is wrong with going over to Visser's side? What's wrong with going to see Barney Visser over there? Right. Yeah, see, Lori, I got to disagree. See, I, I think that Stuart Haas, and if you look at their team, you got Harvick, 
uh, you know, if you look at it now, how it is, you got Harvick, you got Kurt Busch, both have been in in cup racing forever. You got Clint Boyer, who's not uh, a young kid anymore. And then Danica, who, you know, we all expect to leave at the end of the season. So I think that Stuart Haas, they need to get younger talent into the fold with that team. And it doesn't shock me that Kurt is, you know, his contract's not being uh, renewed. Hold on, Jeff. Hold on, Jeff. Maybe maybe Danica has changed her mind and actually has some sponsorship lined up. Maybe this is why this domino has fallen and not the other one. Well, and if she has sponsorship lined up, that's fine. But they still need to get a, a, a young, competitive driver that they can, you know, ease into the series and not expect this guy to win year one, year two, and, you know, ease him along and, and get him going. They got Danica for that. No, I, competitive <laughs> driver. Bring Cole Tester on board. But, no, I, I don't know. I don't know what Danica's going to do. She seems to have a lot of irons in the fire as well. But I don't really expect her to, to walk away from racing anytime soon unless she is forced out. Uh, I guess the cookie the cookie factory, we've seen it more, I swear, on, uh, on Clint's car than we have for her, <laughs> sure. But uh, I don't know. It's... Uh, it's hard to say. Only time will tell here. Well, and there's a lot of free agents out there. I mean, there's a lot of questions that remain to be answered. And I think the number one being is, is Matt Kenseth. Where is Matt Kenseth going to land? And a lot of people have, th- you know, have thought maybe the 77 car, which which would seem like a fit, or or maybe the 10. And those are the, the two that seem to be the most logical. Now, whether that happens is another thing. But, I mean, if you're Matt Kenseth and you have those two openings, which one would you take? Personally, uh, well, we'll see what's happening over, again with Barney Vister. We'll see what's happening over at his team. I don't think you can really uh, frown upon that situation, but I don't know. I kind of think the Stuart Haas situation for, for Kenseth might be a nicer fit, but you also have to weigh how long does Kenseth want to race. He said that really got no he's not worried about anything so whether he wants to go ahead and retire who knows but how do you argue the fact that he sold his place in charlotte he's closed up the the souvenir shop i don't know it's yeah. it's really hard to say but well, uh, and, and, and here's the other well, here's the other thing with the 77 which has changed over the last couple of weeks was we always thought we, we, we thought this the, the two, you know, the Visser team and the Joe Gibbs game teams were eventually uh, had separated. They have finally separated now, and uh, there might have been some trade-off of engineering stuff, but they were separate teams. But then we had the incident in the pits in which we find out that the 78 team is, is subcontracting Joe Gibbs' pit crew men. So maybe... Yeah. Maybe that 77 car is not available for Matt Kenseth at this point. So, who's in it? That's a good question. Uh, it, I would say, now, the scuttlebutt is they wanted somebody, a competitive kid, and uh, you know, a competitive driver in there, somebody older. But, uh, you know, it, 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 who knows? Uh, there's names out there. I mean... Uh, boy. How about Matt Kenseth? <laughs> I know. Well, that, see, that's I know it, it made Careful. such sense, but something happened. Something happened between where, where they want to cut the cord. 
and I don't I don't know where that is. I don't you know. Well, logic would almost dictate if you're a business and you are Joe Gibbs Racing and Furniture Row, if you have Eric Jones coming over to take the 20 ride, wouldn't it just be a natural thing just to flip-flop the drivers? You know, that would almost be a natural thing if they really are as close connected as everybody says. And you can't deny the fact that you've got a guy like Kyle Busch saying, talking down, oh, they're supposed to be teammates and all this type of thing. You've got to eventually take all these guys at their word. But, again, you can also take try and take Matt Kenseth at his word by saying he's not worried about anything. Maybe Richard Schultz racing for him. What about that? No, nah, nah, Childress racing is just going to be the, the, the Dylan boys. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. Who, who wants to pay money to have Ty Dillon drive their car for them? That's I, true. I'd take Ty over Austin. Yeah, I would too, but I'd still take Matt Kenseth over both of them. Absolutely. Sure. Yep. Well, let's, let's, let's take a break. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, actually, we got Catherine Legg coming up here in a few minutes. Well, let's hold on. Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, Watkins Glen uh, Road Course. Now, now, Laura, are you a pro road course or, or named road course? I absolutely love road course racing. I have before it's become the in thing. Everybody now realizes how wonderful it is. These guys have been beaten and banging for years, and people have not paid attention because I think they were brainwashed to think road course racing was not good racing. Well, times have changed with the way people are thinking. It certainly has. And was that, did they read that right, that Pocono was thinking of making one of their? I mean, this is, is this, you know, this is like reading Bizarro Superman. This well, is really weird. I mean, all this, uh, Charlotte's talking about it, Indianapolis is talking about it, Pocono is talking about it. You know, just because road course racing works at the Glen and at Sonoma does not mean that all of a sudden you take a shovel and a backhoe and you go and roll over some daisies and all of a sudden you've got a, a good road course. I think it's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. I don't know that anyone wants to go to Pocono and see them drive around on the infield there. So I think it's a little bit crazy, but that's what he's saying. Well, if, I, if I'm one of the guys in Daytona, I'm thinking, well, if you guys think road course racing is so good and you want to switch one of your dates to a road course, heck, why don't we just go to Road America? Yeah, go somewhere that uh, actually has some real road course racing. That's a, true, that's a true road course and, and delivers good racing, race in and race out, especially that you know what we've seen on the Xfinity Series. Absolutely, absolutely. Jeff, what says you? You know me. Uh, two road courses a year is more than enough. <laughs> Get on the oval. I don't care. You know, the road course racing, wake me up when it's over. Oh, wake. come on. So, you know, you might have been road course before it was cool. I was anti-road course when that was cool. I'm still anti now that well, it's not cool. Stay anti. You sit there and you close your eyes when they start jumping curbs and ended up sideways in the kitty letter. You just keep your eyes closed. Uh, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it. it you know, it, it is what it is. I just, that's not my style. Get on an oval and let's see what you got. You know, uh, all the all the weird chicanes and all this kind of stuff. You know, you could keep that. You know, that save that for F1. Just give me an oval. Lori, Lori, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate you having on, and we'll, we'll definitely have you on next week. 
Since you we'll be it. back here at Wisconsin State Fair, and we're kind of switching things up here, uh, as as a year as the Europeans are on on on, on holiday, we're kind of on holiday too at the final inspection show, bringing the show out to the fans. So, uh, before we go though, Reagan Smith will be on standby for no, the number eleven Denny Hamlin this weekend, as Hamlin's girlfriend is expecting the couple's second child at any time. Do you remember uh, A.J. Foyd or Mario Andretti or any of those guys doing that? Nope. Okay, time for a break. (laughs) You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda, broadcasting live from the Goose Island. Alehouse, when we come back, we'll be talking with Catherine Legg, driver for Michael Shank Racing Acura up at Road America. And welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you from the David Hobbs Honda Studios. And I'm up here in World America for the IMSA weekend with uh, Catherine Legg, who's driving for Michael Shank Racing and the Acura, the sharp-looking Acura. i got to look at her driver's suit. GT, what is it? It's an NSX GT3 car. There we go. I was going to have to have Tony DeZeno help me out with that one. So uh, this is a pretty nice ride for you. I mean, you guys already have two wins so far in the year and for a new car that's not supposed to happen is it (laughs) no that's kind of unheard of so we're very proud of it uh we've had two wins in a second place um and we're in the hunt for the championship so nobody i think thought that that was possible with a brand new car being a development year um but we've proved how how awesome the guys back at hpd are and and the michael shank racing team have just given us some really cool stuff to work with so uh hopefully we can show it show everybody what we've got again this weekend and i guess the big thing that that's an advantage for for you guys is you you, with the testing with the testing availability you get a lot more testing than other series don't you um yes and no i think in every series it's limited to a certain degree because they want to keep costs down and they want to make it fair for everybody but uh, we've definitely made the most of the test days that have been available to us and we've tried to accomplish as much as possible away from the track. So when we come to the track, it's very laser focused and we know exactly what we're, we're testing and what we're looking for. And the, like I can't say enough good things about the, the people and the team and, and the support network around it. And uh, yeah, we've, we've achieved quite a lot, you know, from receiving the cars last October from Japan. We've basically tested and, and changed a whole bunch of stuff and, and made it into a race winning race car. So. We've still got more development stuff to do, and we're still learning on a weekend by weekend basis. Um, but it's been so far so good. Now you're coming to Road America, which would be a lot like, I guess, the closest would be Watkins Glen, which you guys won at. So, I mean, do you guys transfer any notes? Is there a baseline you can use from that, or how does that work? Yeah, we're very fortunate that we've got um, two NSXs running in the World Challenge Series as well with the real time racing mm-hmm. team. So they've actually been here and tested, so we can use some of the information that they've gleaned, even though they're on different tires. You know, we're very fortunate to have Continentals. Um, they're, they're running different spec tires, so some of it translates, though. And um, we've got some really good CAD programs where they can run simulations and, and figure it out. So uh, we rolled off this morning, even though it was raining, and we have a really well-balanced race car. So when you get to a track and it's already good, then you just tune on it a little bit. When you're out of the ballpark, it's uh, it's more difficult to 
to kind of throw a setup at it and find it. So we're, we're it's my favorite racetrack, even mm-hmm. though I had a massive accident here 10 years ago um, in the king of all places. I, it's my favorite racetrack to come to. It reminds me of growing up, even more so when it's raining because it's like English weather right now. It's August, <laughs> it's raining, it's cold. Um, but no, we're very much looking forward to this race. The Delta Wing you ran here, so this is a 180 from there, where you got a lot of development with the Delta Wing. You weren't able to do as much as you wanted to, but it always ran well here, didn't it? I mean, all it seems like for all the tracks, the Delta Wing was always seemed to be in the mix, and then unfortunately you'd have a mechanical issue come down. But I know talking to a lot of people in the media and fans out there, they were always behind it 100%. They loved seeing that race here and that. What, what are your, some, some of your memories on running that car here? You know, I was very proud to be part of that program and we developed it for the three years that we did it and we made it into a viable race car and I think that just shows the technology like this because it was half the weight. So on the straightaways we were really fast. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a cool project. This is more conventional for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, to be associated with both the Paynos brand and with the Delta Wing and, and now with the, the NSX Acura is uh, pretty cool and I'm very proud to be part of the program you know there's a lot of pride associated with driving one of the iconic cars I grew up looking at and, and wanting when I was an adult I still don't have one mm-hmm. but I get to dra- drive it and race it at the weekends right <laughs> do you get tired of people like when you're out with a fan forum or something do you get a lot of photos of the, the 2006 crash that people wanted you to sign or does, yeah. it, does it become a drag people bringing it up like I am right now <laughs> uh, no <laughs> but, I get it all the time yeah. people bring it up bother me i'm deta- slightly detached from it you know it wasn't anything that i did the mm-hmm. rear wing delaminated and, right. and shot me off so um i remember it but i don't remember it with any feelings uh, attached to it like i was watching it like i wasn't actually in it so it doesn't it doesn't bother me i know it was one of the biggest crashes a lot of people have ever seen so I understand why they bring it up in a way in a way i'm kind of like that's morbid what the hell <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true race car driver, though. I like that. So what's in the future of Michael Shank Racing and you guys? Oh, goodness gracious me. I have no idea. Um, you'd have to ask Mike that. Mm-hmm. It's above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I get to focus on one weekend at a time and try to win the championship and trying to win this race. And um, hopefully everything continues for many years to come. But, um, you know, we'll race whatever they deem race-worthy. Um, I've definitely driven a lot of different things during my career, a very diverse career that I've had. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, I really enjoy being part of the team and being part of Acura, and long may it continue. Are there any boxes that need to be checked off yet? Uh, yes. I would like to do them all. Um, and I would like to win the 24-hour, and I still want to do the Indy 500 every year. <laughs> Maybe that's in your future. Maybe. You never know. Catherine Legg, uh, driver with uh, Michael Shank Racing and the Acura GT3 NSX. NSX. She'll be running up here at Road America. Make sure you get up here for the, the race on Sunday. The weather will be much improved and it should be a lot of fun and a lot of classes out here. It's one of the premier weekends of the year up at Road America, the road race weekend. So come on out. You will have a good time. And let's send it back to the studio. Thank you, Steve. Got a quick break coming up, and then when we return, we'll get back to NASCAR with Dennis Michelson and Lori Monroe. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Milwaukee, start your engines. (laughs) 
It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, from the David Hobbs Honda Studios, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome back to the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Lori and Dennis here on a Saturday talking NASCAR. And you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, fine. It's time for the best music in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes. Sing along. Ah, yes. It is that time of the day that we blow up somebody still. And Lori Monroe, can you tell the good folks from Milwaukee how this all works? Absolutely. I get upset. You get upset. All everybody gets upset. So when you get upset at something, be it racing, just your neighbors, whatever, we like to blow that thing up just like uh, back in the day. So with the moonshiners. So got something that's upsetting you, head over to racetalkradio.com, fill out the form, send us an email, let us know what's upsetting you. And we just might include you in our weekly still blowing. And I have a still blowing this week, which is very uh, good. Probably doesn't surprise you, Dennis Michelson. You know who I want to blow up? Who do you want to blow up? All of the people who are looking to A.J. Allmendinger to go ahead and just absolutely do something wonderful this weekend at Watkins Glen. They do it every single time. Yep. He's the guy everybody picks. And he shows glimmers of of goodness. He'll go out there and he'll either qualify well or turn incredible times on on the track. And go up and he's challenging for, you know, somewhere in the top five. And then poof, it's either some sort of weird pit strategy or just some chaos on the track or just, he just takes himself out. He, it, it just, it ain't going to happen. So don't go picking him. I'm blowing you up if you're picking the dinger. Lightning only strikes once. <laughs> <laughs> it never strikes twice. He's already won. He'll never win again. He'll never do it again. It's, you know, Richard Brickhouse won once. <laughs> Are you Never telling me the again. Dinger should be carrying a great big metal pole? Derek Cope won yeah. once. Never happened again. I don't so know. it happens mm-hmm. that these guys yeah. get lucky and everything falls into play. I think that's an awesome still blowing. But you see it. Everybody looks to him. Oh, this is Dinger's weekend. He'll make the chase. It, it oh, ain't yeah. going to happen. Yeah, because they're already, you know, with this, well, with uh, five races to go, and if there's four different winners, then we could have 17 different winners uh, in the series, yeah. and, well, guys like A.J. Allmendinger at Watkins Glen could happen. Stop it already. Yes, yeah. it, it could happen, okay? Yes, it could happen. I could also become six foot tall overnight, but that's wow. not likely what to happen are you either. Taking? Uh t- What can I say? Um, (laughs) But that's not likely to happen either. But it is just crazy (laughs) that people want to forecast a record-setting occurrence. That's all it is. It's the, you know, and why do they want him back in victory lane? Oh, because he's a quaint story. (laughs) 
Give it a break. I would rather see Landon Castle win. <laughs> I would. If you're going to see an upset, <laughs> let's have an upset for the ages. But that was an excellent still blowing, Lori Monroe. Thank you. Thank you very excellent. much. Well, I have a still blowing too, and I want to blow up three letters. Oh. N, B, and C. Yeah. I am totally, totally disgusted with the product of what we're getting from NBC Sports when it comes to coverage of racing as a whole, but especially NASCAR. You tune in any day on any of the sports channels. You got 15 soccer games to choose from throughout the day. And they never put a soccer game against each other for competition. NBC has the broadcast rights to NASCAR and IndyCar. And for the last two weeks have put their own races head-to-head against each other. And you combine that with the fact that somehow along the way, Rick Allen has forgotten how to do play-by-play of NASCAR, you have a combination. NBC Sports Channel sucked up all of this racing, and now they're letting it languish. But most of all, Rick Allen, who I thought the world of when he did ARCA and the trucks, was excited when he got the NASCAR gig. He has not continued to develop as an announcer. I thought he was the closest thing to Mike Joy that we would see in this sport again, because I've thought the world of Mike Joy over the years as an announcer. Yeah. Rick Allen isn't even Joy Behar at this point. (laughs) Oh, no. He just cannot (laughs) announce worth a darn. He tries to come up with these kitschy little... You know, oh, yeah. last lap things like yeah. Mike Joy has, you know, given us yeah. for years. And he fumbles it almost every time. You combine that with the fact that apparently Jeff Burton is going backwards through puberty. I, I know. <laughs> and Steve Letarte has not continued to develop either. Three guys that I thought the world of a couple of years ago when they first hit the scene, Mm -hmm. they have not gotten better. In fact, they've gotten worse to the point that I'm almost excited about Vince Welch as a play-by-play guy. How bad does it have to be until you're actually almost saying nice things about Vince Welch? So for NBC, oh, just disgusted by what I'm seeing. Yeah. Now, granted, the one thing that NBC has brought that I do like is that interview when the driver's getting right out of his car on the start-finish line holding the checkered flag. That's the yes. one thing I like. But I other like than that. that, I don't know what other gimmicks they're trying to pass off, but I I really got to go with you on yours. I want to blow yours up. Very good. General yeah. Mattis, send in the B-52s and get a little more altitude so you don't run into Rick Allen. This time, please. (laughs) Ah, the sweet sound of explosives. (laughs) Poor Rick. That's horrible. Sorry, Rick. 
<laughs> you know, I thought the world of this guy as an announcer. I thought he was the best yeah. talent that we have seen in this sport in a long, long time. I was even okay with him getting the gig over Alan Bestwick. And now I really am disappointed in what I'm yeah. hearing from Rick Allen. I know it's a tough job, guys. It's a very tough job doing play-by-play of any sport. You know, it. but it's it's – he should be better than this. He's the top. He's at the top of his field, and he cannot continue like this. He's got to get better. He lost me with that whole thing with the Dawsonville Pool Hall bell instead of the siren. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's just some little things that happen along the way that start okay. shaking your confidence. Yes, the bell put me over the edge. Ridiculous. Well, folks, it is time to check out our NASCAR news before we wrap things up. And Lori Monroe, the only thing certain in NASCAR is change. And in the middle of the season, they're changing the overtime line rule for uh, restarts. The overtime rule now, or or the overtime line, will be Mm -hmm. moved. And it's now also called the start-finish line. Why don't they... I just... I I was at a loss for this. I'm thinking, this sport this series nascar just shows its own lack of confidence in its own actions they do one thing then they change it if they were so confident that the start finish or sorry the the halfway line whatever it's called or was called it was a good thing and now they've changed it barely you know we're halfway into the season what does that tell you about their decision making who is running this thing the original rule was that you were going to get three attempts at a green-white checker finish. And if you didn't get back to the start-finish line, you'd try again. We saw how Kevin Harvick gamed that system, causing a couple of crashes at Talladega during the playoffs. I'm sorry, that was when it was called the chase. Mm -hmm. And managed to, to get them to change the whole system because they weren't gutsy enough to make a call that they should have easily made. They've gone back to this rule, but now there's unlimited attempts mm-hmm. at a green-white checker finish. This could get really ugly. It's, oh, yeah. It's really ridiculous. And yeah. It, I'm going to have to pack a picnic basket, I think, for every race because this could be going on till midnight. It's going to cause another uh, three or $400,000 worth of damaged race cars. But doesn't NASCAR love these restarts, though? I think this is what they're hoping for. That's I think they've they seen how these restarts and bunching the field up since these cars can't get close to each other anyway, how exciting this is. So they're just fixing one problem and making another. Also in the news, while many in the media were trying to tell us how doggone exciting the racing was at Pocono, the Pocono president right after the race said that he is asking for permission to run the road course at Pocono for one of their events. Why? Why, oh, why? If the racing is great, why would you change anything? You know how you said lightning strikes only once? I'm kind of wishing at this point lightning would just strike me because I just don't want to see this at Pocono. I'm sorry. It would be worse than what we've got now. Which oh, yeah, is, absolutely. Why not do the important thing and fix the rules of the race cars to get better racing? That seems a lot simpler than trying to reconvert all of these road courses that were never intended for stock cars into rovals. I just crazy. 
don't get the fascination. Yeah. Also, the silly season news continued this week. Target leaving Kyle Larson and Kurt Busch not returning to Stuart Haas. Which was the more shocking story to you? To me, it was uh, was was Kurt Busch and the Stuart Haas deal. I think Target, we sort of saw the writing on the wall with that anyway. But the whole Kurt Busch thing, and you know, we know he's not gone yet. They could be trying to, you know, rewrite something. But that just blindsided me completely. And whether that really does turn out to be true or not, uh, who knows? Uh, but uh, I guess time will tell. But I, I just don't even know what to say about that because that really, that really shocked me. Adding to the right and left turns of Watkins Glen this week, Laurie Monroe, who is your pick to click? I got to go with Truex. I'm kind of sticking with the Truex guy. That is an outstanding pick. And I am going to go with one of those road course racing specialists, <laughs> Kevin Harvick. Good for you. <laughs> Kevin Harvick is my pick. Laurie Monroe sticking with Martin Truex Jr., those are our picks to click. Thanks for tuning in to the NASCAR segment on the Final Inspection 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, broadcasting live from the Goose Island Ales at Wisconsin State Fair, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway, along with David Hobbs Honda. In fact, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is David Hobbs from NBC Sports, talking some Formula One. David, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Steve. Uh, glad to be on again. How are you? I'm doing excellent, sir, and the weather is certainly better than it was yesterday up in Elkhart Lake, and uh, Tony DeZeno was just getting us getting us uh, up to date on the latest in the road racing showcase up at road america but we're going to switch over to uh, formula one where last week a little bit of controversy we got sebastian vettel win of course the hungarian grand prix but we had a switch uh lewis hamilton actually gave up third place a podium finish for his uh his teammate valtteri bell uh Bodas. can you explain uh the who's and the why's <laughs> well well, honestly, I can't. I mean, I know exactly why. What happened was that uh, Alfie Botas was running in front of Hamilton in the race, and they were both pounding Kimi Raikkonen, the second-place Ferrari. And Hamilton said he thought he could handle Raikkonen. So the team said, OK, well, we'll let, we'll let Botas make... We'll get Botas to let you buy it. But if you'd fail to get Kimi Raikkonen, we wanted to give the place back. Um... And being a gentleman, which I think surprised a lot of people, right on the last, he, and he, he, he couldn't get around Raikkonen either himself. His Hamilton's tyres started to go off, so he too failed to get Raikkonen. And uh, true enough, on the last lap, he didn't give the position back to uh, Bota, which was a bit of a risky move because right behind them was Verstappen. Uh, Excuse me. And then... Um, Max Verstappen only finished like less than a second behind Hamilton in the end, so that was a bit of a risky move. Yeah, and, a... and yeah. I think that at the end of the season, 
the race to the championship is very close. Vettel's yeah, it should leading. Right. Yeah, Vettel's leading by 14 points. So if it goes down to wire in Abu Dhabi, there's still nine races to go. But if it stays like it is, neck and neck all the way through. If he loses by less than three points, I would think Hamilton will rue that. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, Raikkonen came home second. Uh, so we had a Ferrari, Ferrari, uh, Mercedes on the podium. Uh, a little bit of a surprise, though, is uh, having actually not only was it Alonso finishing six and getting the fastest lap on the last ra uh, lap of the race, but actually McLaren and Honda had both cars in the points. Is there hope for this team? Uh, well, I suppose. Um, although everybody said Hungary you know, would be their best shot. Because like mm -hmm. Monaco, power is not an absolute necessity at Hungary. And um, as you say, both uh, McLaren and Honda's finishing the point. Alonso in six actually, you know, wasn't that. Well, he was a minute and a half behind, I suppose, um, which is a lot. But nevertheless, the car has obviously got a bit of pace. But uh, the next two races, Spa and Monza, are definitely not Honda's forte at the moment. And right. um, I mean, they're, they're consistently the far slowest cars in a straight line at practically everywhere we go, as much as like 15 miles an hour off the pace. And at Spa, which is a very fast track, and then Monza is the fastest of all, uh, boy, I, you know, they say they're going to bring another engine for Spa. But um, it needs it needs a hundred more horsepower than the one they got at the moment, which is a hell of a lot, uh, and it needs to be reliable too. Um, so they're a long way off, really. I'm afraid. Yeah. On the flip side of that, could we see somebody with the next two races, like a Force India, really step up and maybe surprise uh, some people? Well, yeah, Force India. They both uh, they both finish in the points at. Um, but hungry as well. Um, but, um, and Spa probably is more to their liking. The, the Force Indians usually do go well at Spa. So, yeah, they may, they may come back in the fray. Of course, they've got the Mercedes power unit, so mm -hmm. they've got good speed. Um, and hopefully Williams will look better at Spa than they did at Hungary. They look gruesome at Hungary. They were both a very, uh, a very mediocre day, both of the, uh, both the Williams. Um, Red Bull, of course, you know, Ricardo won there two years ago, much to my absolute astonishment. Um, but, I mean, Renault are talking about an upgrade on their engine soon, so maybe they'll pick up some pace. The car is good. Um, has good downpour, so it, it'll, be, it'll be good. But, boy, they'll be lucky to get... Uh, they'll get the points, but they'll be lucky to get on the podium in either of those places, I, I think. And then uh, they had to, they had a testing session after uh, on the following Monday and Tuesday, I guess it was, at, at Hungarian. Uh, and uh, the, kind of the, the news was Robert Kubica. Kubica and it, could we actually see him in an F1 car next year? Well, I, you know, I hear talk, but I somehow, I don't think so. I mean, he's 32, which, you know, to you and me, is pretty young. Right. <laughs> but to a Formula One driver, it's kind of closing in on the end, you know, 35, well, 35, 36, 37, uh, which is where Alonso and Raikkonen are at the moment. It's kind of considered to be about the uh, end of your career. 
So he's 32, hasn't raced for seven years in Formula 1. Uh, he went well in the test. But there's a whole slew of young kids who really... I mean, that Charles Leclerc, who's leading the uh, F2 championship, which was GP2, he's leading the championship. He drove a Ferrari and was the quickest of everybody. Um, a guy called Ladakh was very quick in the... Uh, in the, in the uh, McLaren. Um, so, we, you know, there's a lot of young kids, and I don't see them putting Kubica in when there's a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds standing around looking pretty quick. We're talking to David Hobbs on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from NBC Sports. One last question, uh, David are, are, are we actually going to see a halo on F1 cars next year? <laughs> it looked like it. Ugly as sin. Um, and a lot of the drivers, particularly Hulkenberg, uh, are not impressed with it. They don't think it looks right. They don't think it makes the cars look good. Uh, and they feel that there should be some risk attached to driving a Formula One car. And I'm inclined to be in their camp. <clears throat> but on the other hand, as Sebastian Bevel said, well, if it had saved Henry Surtees and if it had saved Justin Wilson in IndyCar, he said it's really a no-brainer. You've got to have it. Uh, so I think we're going to be stuck with it, ugly as it may be. But I don't, I don't think it would have. You know, to, well, for you know, without a full roll cage on there, I don't think it would have made any difference to to those drivers. Unfortunately, I think it would have saved Henry Surtees. I'm not sure about Justin Wilson because that nose cone dropped out of the sky like a bomb. Right. And I think it, I think it would have easily done gone behind the, the halo. And, of course, the spring that hit Felipe Massa on the head, what, eight years ago now at Hungarian, mm -hmm. that would have easily slipped between the halo and the car. Um, screens are such a mixed blessing because, A, they make exit out of the car difficult. A fully enclosed cockpit, I don't think, is the answer. And, of course, screens get dirty like they do in, you know, GTP cars and uh, LMP1s and 2s. And they're difficult to clean, um, especially in rain or oily conditions. And in a Formula 1 car, almost impossible to keep clean. So I just don't see them coming along, but I'm afraid it looks like they're stuck with a halo next year, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, in testing, preseason testing, maybe it'll be a revolt. We can only hope, my, can we? <laughs> my, my argument for the halos, I mean, it might. What if it collapses in on the driver and, and right. trap him in there? Uh -huh. That could happen too. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely for and against it. Um, but it looked like we're stuck with it. I'm All right, well, <laughs> David, we certainly appreciate you taking uh, your busy uh, some time on your busy day to give us uh, only, give us some insight feels, on F one. It only feels like yesterday. I saw you, Steve. Impossible. Yes. Yeah, I can't. I can't <laughs> It was a good time yeah. yesterday in rainy Elkhart Lake, and uh, today the sun yeah. should be out. And uh, make sure you get up to Road America this weekend for the Road Racing Showcase uh, IMSA Sports Car Race up there. So yeah, uh, it's lovely up. It's lovely up there today. A lot of people, excellent. a lot of cars, a lot of action. Yeah, it's gonna be a good weekend. Excellent. Well, David, I certainly appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Make sure you get out to David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Road. Absolutely. And uh, we'll talk to Carol Jensen from the Milwaukee Concourse, Diela Gons, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show.
This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, broadcasting live from the Goose Island Ale Halls at Wisconsin State Fair. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Carol Jensen from the Milwaukee Concourse, D. Elegance. Welcome to the show, Carol. Hi, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Uh, this weekend's pretty cool. we got a pretty neat deal happening at Veterans Park on uh, Milwaukee Scenic Lakefront, and that's the Milwaukee Concourse. And it's uh, a little more than just a car show, isn't it, Carol? It is. This is our 13th year of having a charitable event down here at Veterans Park. Tomorrow we're going to feature close to 150 cars that represent the best of the best cars that have been built. And it's a, a, lot, of, a lot of these cars that are coming are coming across the Midwest, in fact, in the entire nation. And it's probably, I mean, cars that a lot of, if you go, go down there, you may have never seen before. You're absolutely right. We've got cars coming in this weekend from over 15 different states across the Midwest, as far as Arizona and California. We've got cars as old as a 1900 Mobile, which is a steam car. And then we go all the way up in our Speed Then and Now class. The Now will feature a brand-new 4 GT that just came off the assembly line and was sent to us from the Ford Motor Company. That's pretty cool. And uh, this, of course, is happening tomorrow. It's happening actually right now at the lakefront, but uh, it might be kind of late in the day to get out there uh, for the stuff going on today. But tonight there's something going on. It's called a show and glow, is it? You're right. So today during the day we're here till 3 o'clock, which is the the show and glow by the lake, which is a casual show of all things motorized. We've got over 300 cars down here right now that will be on display until 3 o'clock. And then we have a social event this evening, which is a silent auction fundraiser. There's a number of silent auction items that people can bid on until 8.30 tomorrow night, and they can just go to the MilwaukeeConcord.com website. They can register to bid online, so you don't even have to be present at the event tonight to uh, look at a number of great auction automotive items we have. Okay, and um, is this true that you can actually get a ride in a uh, Ford GT supercar? That was today. Today they bid for a ride in the Ford GT supercar. They also bid for a ride with our honorary guest, Wayne Carini, from Chasing Classic Cars, who will be here all day tomorrow as well. And he will be helping to do our award ceremony tomorrow afternoon. That's pretty neat. Uh, and, uh, of course, if you go to the MilwaukeeConcourse.com, they have a merchandise page, and it shows uh, the commemorative posters that are out there for not only this year but also last year yet, too. And then uh, Milwaukee Concourse, the Elegance Polo. Is there anything else we missed? Is there uh, a certain car maybe that we uh, need to get out there and see? There's a, we're going to have more than, we're going to have Duesenbergs on the, on the field tomorrow. We've got the 1914 
Mason Duesenberg that raced at the Indianapolis 500, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum, shipped it up for our event this year. We also have the 1914 Stutz Bearcat that was brought to us from North Carolina. That's the car that won the Hilton Head Best of Show in 2016. Sounds like a lot of fun, and the weather should be fantastic this weekend. And just if it's, you know, we we, we always joke in this area uh, that we try and get about uh, 12 months of activities in a six-month period, and this is uh, definitely one of them uh, you should attend. That's absolutely right. We'll be here tomorrow. It's going to be rain or shine, but we really hope for the shine. We hope for good weather, and we'd encourage everybody to come on down and join us. And uh, park, where do, where do we park when we go down there? Yeah, so you come on down right to Veterans Park. You turn on to Lagoon Drive, and they'll direct you in. They have special event parking for only $5, and then you can come into the show. This is a charitable show that benefits the Boys and Girls Club, the Autism Society, and the Meta House. And so tickets for tomorrow's show are $25, and you can purchase them right at the gate. Well, excellent. I certainly appreciate it. We've been talking to Carol uh, Jensen from the Milwaukee Concourse, D.L. and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And uh, you, if you're going to be in the area, make sure you get down to the lakefront. You're going to see some extraordinary cars. And uh, what's neat about this, Carol, I, uh, one thing I always like about these events is if you have a question about the car, the owner is usually there, and he's more than happy to answer any questions you have, aren't they? Absolutely. We also have, for the price of admission, we also have an 82-page program, which contains a photo and a bio of every single car that will be on the field today. So that's something that you can take home after the show and remember for years to come. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Kara. We certainly appreciate you uh, coming on the show and Make sure you get down to the Milwaukee Concourse de Elegance uh, tomorrow at the Lakefront Veterans Park. It uh, certainly should be a great time, and you will, like I said, you'll see some extraordinary pieces of machinery. And uh, make sure you say hi to Carol when you're down there too. Thanks, Carol, for coming on the show. Thanks, Steve. We'll see you tomorrow. Excellent. And uh, you're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure to check out their website for activities this weekend and when we come back we'll be talking to eddie lapine from racing nation and getting in our predictions for this weekend's races on the fan Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, broadcasting live from the Goose Island Ale House at Wisconsin State Fair, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway, along with David Hobbs Honda, and joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, hey how are you doing today, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. What's the latest up at Road America? We had Tony DeZino on about an hour and a half ago, and how's the weather holding up up there? Oh, it's, it's actually awesome. The weather's incredible it's great to be up here uh, i think it's going to be a great weekend it looks that way and it certainly wasn't on thursday and uh, yesterday but 
Uh, go figure, well, about four or 5 o'clock yesterday, the weather kind of broke and the sun came out. We actually had a really nice evening up there last night up at uh, downtown Elkhart Lake. Well, yeah, definitely. The weather weather passed. I'm, I'm right now in the store right now at, at Road America, and I we just took in the uh, the GTLM qualifying uh, just finished with Dirk Mueller getting the pole and the Ford GT. And James French is on track right now and has fast time in PC class right now. And qualifying is going on right now, and the race is tomorrow. Yeah, James, we were, we were going to have James on the show, and we missed uh, we missed him up there up at uh, Road America yesterday, and then we couldn't get together on a schedule this morning. But we'll certainly have a friend of the show, James French, on on once again. And uh, I guess we should get right into predictions here. we got NASCAR up in Watkins Glen, and, of course, the Xfinity Series. Joey Logano's already on the pole. We don't really care when they're coming. When there's cup drivers and Xfinity races, do we? So we'll just cross that one off our list right now and go right to the Cup Series. And uh, Kyle Busch is on the pole, and he's been pretty strong. In the ro- if you've been uh, kind of the astute uh, Cup guy, you've noticed that he's been kind of the the sharp the sharp guy on uh, road courses as of late. What says you, Eddie Lapine? Well, I think I you know you got to go with Kyle Busch right now because I think he's really checked in and he's really getting in the championship mode. It's going to be tough to beat there. How about you, Jeff? Well, Kyle won one race. I'm not a believer as of yet, but he ended uh, his long drought, so give me unfortunately Logano to end his. Interesting. Yeah, because Logano, even though he's got that win, it was encumbered. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, he's still on the outside looking in again into the playoffs. So interesting pick. Uh, I do kind of like that. Uh, we're going to go right into. Uh, Who's your pick? I thought I get Cal Bush. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Cal Bush. And then I guess we can go into the Continental Tire Road Racing Showcase at Road America. I guess we go. What we'll do, we'll just pick uh, the, I think, the two classes that count the most. That's Prototype and a GTLM up there and uh how about you uh eddie what says you about uh, the prototype class well i'm I'm gonna go with uh the taylor boys i think uh i think they're the ones to look at this weekend you know i was set the fastest right now they did yes but always seems like it's road america and something always happens it seems like and uh I think I'm going to go with the uh, the Mustang Sampling Boys, the Fittipaldi and Barboza again. They've won it there in the past, and I think uh, I think they can do it again. So there's always some type of surprise when it seems like for these uh, IMSA races up at Road America. Expect the well, as, expect as the extraordinary. Know, as you know, Road America always becomes a strategy track. Yeah, it certainly does. Long and. It's just the way it always turns out. So it, it's going to be one in the pit. And I think I think the, the Fords are going to be tough. I think Derek, uh, Dirk Mueller and Joey Han are really the mm-hmm. odds-on favorite right now. Yeah. But we've seen a, a str- much stronger BMW uh, team, especially in the last race. And uh, I, I, I certainly like the Mueller-Joey Han team, but I'm going to go with the John Edwards and uh, Tom Sick, uh the BMWs. Just kind of shake things up. How about you? Uh, what says you, 
Jeff Rolowski back at the uh, studios. Um, I'm gonna go with in the uh, in the prototype. I'll go with the the other Cadillac team, the Cameron and Karan uh, team. We okay. Wheel and Engineering. Yeah. And then uh, what'd you say? The uh, the GT. GTLM. GTLM. Give me uh, Dirk Mueller and Joey Hand. Okay. He's going a little chalk there, so I'll shake things up. And that's what you were going with, Joey Hand and Dirk Mueller, right, for GTLM, Eddie? Yes, definitely. I think they're almost a full second faster in qualifying. Cars looking right. pretty good. And, Jeff, you're writing, you're writing these down. We'll put, we'll, we'll put these up on the uh, Final Inspection Facebook page, of course. Absolutely. Make sure to follow all of us on uh, Facebook, the, the course of uh, the TFI fi Final Inspection uh, page on Facebook, and then all of us on Twitter, too. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, S or Steve Zatke, Z-A-U-T-K-E, on Twitter. And, uh, Jeff, you're on Twitter, too. Yep, Jeff underscore Orlowski. And then, uh, of course, we have Eddie. It's uh, what is it? Is it Edward Lapine photo, or what? What did what did I give you, Eddie, for your Twitter? You can go to my Facebook. For our Facebook page, okay. Edward Lapine. Edward Lapine, Lapine for Eddie Lapine. So make sure you check out all his, and he'll be posting photos, of course, all weekend on uh, not only his page but also the final inspection page. And of course, you're hanging with Jack Webster up there. So look, yeah, looking Jack forward is, to see. Jack is right here right now. We're certainly uh, looking forward to see his stuff on RacingNation.com. Definitely go to the page and check it out. Jack's stuff's up now. Oh, it's good stuff, and I uh, appreciate it. And uh, make sure to have uh, Jack give me a call off air. I need to chat with him about a certain book. I will book. do that, and make sure you save me a cream puff from the fair. Oh, I'm not even. I'm looking right at the cream puff dairy entrance, and I won't even go over there. As someone oh, lactose and intolerant, oh, I'm one not. One other just, thing, Steve. Yeah. Doug Behan's got the golf cart ready for us. I will talk to you <laughs> off air about that too. So. <laughs> hey, it's always good talking to you guys. I'm always. here with Bert Levy. I'm having a great time. How many brats have you had so far? Uh, two, two brats. Two and brats, all right. It was it was worth coming up here from Florida to have a bratwurst. <laughs> it always is. Well, we certainly like to thank our friends at the Goose Island Air Ale House here at State Fair Park for hosting us today, and uh, look forward to doing it again next week. So, if you're at State Fair Park next Saturday, make sure you come out to the Goose Island Ale House at uh, next to the Budweiser Pavilion. Give us a hi, and we'll talk to you next week on the Final Inspection Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.